Hi, I'm Bentley. And I'm Patrick. And this is the Re Few Podcast. podcast. I think you should do the whole podcast as Patrick. <laughs> I can't do that the whole time. But he'll he'll Why be not here. Patrick? Don't worry, he'll be here. Uh, not until four. No, you gotta do the whole <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have somewhere else to be stupid? Not until four. <laughs> so we went back and re we watched episodes of season two of Spongebob. Well, yeah, there's amazing how many classic lines pop up right away. It's it's two. so potent. They've it's, got it right away. They know exactly what they want to be. That writer's room is tight. They have clearly distilled these characters down to what their most iconic forms are. Ring! Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Ring! Hey, is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Hi, is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. I'm not a Krusty Krab. <laughs> like, it is incredible. They have nailed these characters. They have absolutely nailed them. And that's what makes it so funny. Like, all the greatest situational comedies, all they do at the start of the episode is set up a very, 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 very basic premise. Yeah. And they will let those guys riff for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then they don't overstay their welcome. They leave, and you will never... There's no episode-to-episode continuity. Yeah, I never understood why people uh, made such a big deal out of Seinfeld doing that. Seinfeld is great, but it's in a tradition of great sitcoms that have great characters, right? So everybody talked about, well, who's groundbreaking that Seinfeld just had a whole episode where those four characters were standing waiting for a table at a Chinese restaurant. Well, no, because that's real life, first of all. And if you have four interesting characters that you know how to write, you can put them anywhere at yeah. any time. Yeah, and have them react to their situation. Yeah. Um, it's like the most basic elemental comedy writing, and I mean that as the highest praise. Yeah. Um, so a lot of grown-ups really did not get SpongeBob for a long, long time. I, there were people in my generation who really hated the show. Because it was loud, and on first simple viewing, it just looked stupid. Like, yes. if, if you're a parent walking through the living room, and you've got a little eight-year-old watching Patrick, right? If you just hear Patrick, you're like, oh, oh boy, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to doing what I do best. Nothing! <laughs> <laughs> so that would make you worry about the future of the country. <laughs> except that, except that SpongeBob is brilliant. And what I loved about SpongeBob was not just that they had these great characters, that they didn't ever worry about explaining, right? Okay, there is a squirrel who lives underwater with a space helmet. In a dome. Doesn't matter. That does not matter. You we just gotta go or get out. <laughs> yeah. Sandy's a great character. So the Mr. Krabs. Normally, crabs that are red are dead. Dead. They've been boiled and their color has changed. Mr. Krabs is red. He's voiced by Clancy Brown. He loves money. You just better get on this train because yeah. it is leaving the station. Yeah. I love that Mr. Krabs has a siren that he's like in his office. We're all the beautiful customers! And when the customers leave, the siren goes off. <laughs> One of my favorite, they're so good at these little sight gags as yeah, well. These yes. tiny little things that you can only do in animation. For example, Squidward at one point opens up the cash register and Mr. Krabs' eyes just jut out of the cash <laughs> register. Like he, 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 sometimes he lives in his office, sometimes he lives inside the cash register. Yep. Just go with it. You yep. just gotta be there. Because if you're not there, you're gonna get left behind very quickly. Well, and so that's what I loved about SpongeBob is uh, in an era where 
children's animation had turned into a lot of just plain talking heads, right? And some of those shows were so well written that they kind of overcame that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, be, be, you, you can't just can't just diss on all the talking head shows. Uh, sure. No, no. So there's Beavis and Butthead. That'd be like writing off a whole genre. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and Daria, Daria lives off of that. I mean, no, no right. offense to Daria. Please, please, Daria fans in the audience. I know there's like three of you. Please don't kill. Me. No, no. It's just a, it's an economic choice, yes. right? It's cheaper to animate that, and it's also true of the action, right? So all, even the Batman Adventures and all that, they have certain uh, poses of the characters where they're just standing and talking because that's cheap to do. Yes, and SpongeBob. Did not do that. SpongeBob right? is so fluid and all over the place, and well, it's beautiful to look it, at. It goes back to the kind of animation that we revere, you know, the Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny stuff. In other words, it uses the full capabilities of animation, right? SpongeBob splits into six at a moment's notice. Yeah. He he suddenly turns into this or that. He's giant. He's small. Uh, you know, that's what animation allows you to do that's different from live action or a novel. You know, you've got to use that. Don't do an animated show that doesn't play with time, space, and physics. Yeah. I mean, at one point, uh, I mean, they also incorporate live action elements at certain points just because they can. Yeah. You know, at one point, Patrick jumps out of the frame and goes above water and it's all live action and he's the only animated thing. You know, it's, what was the it's, thing they showed of like the 1950s like housewife in the kitchen? Yeah, of, of like of like you know Squidward reteaching the housewife how to do art or whatnot. Yeah, and, yeah. and is the woman's head gets replaced by Squidward? Like that is nuts. That yeah. is nuts. You just they Nickelodeon just clearly trusted this creative team so much because you can't pitch SpongeBob. I don't know how. I don't know how they got how that greenlit. I, I don't know. I mean, you can pitch, and I love these shows, but you can pitch The Fairly Odd Parents. You can pitch that. You yeah. can see how that would be funny and how that would come together. It's more of a standard You can uh, pitch sitcom. Hey Arnold. Yes. You can pitch Kim Possible. And those are all great shows, and I love yeah. all those shows. Yeah. You can't pitch SpongeBob. There's no elevator pitch for SpongeBob. You have to <laughs> see it. And then even when you're seeing it, you got to go with it. You yeah. have there's like two or three steps involved for you to think yeah. this is funny. <laughs> you have to work to get to where SpongeBob is because SpongeBob, who has a pet snail and wakes up for Leif Erikson Day in a in a Viking helmet, yeah. you got to be there right. because by well, the first frame he is confronting you with imagery that is just like, whoa! <laughs> well, he's he a sponge and he's wearing a fake beard and he's got a Viking hat on. And his pet snail meow. meows like a cat. Like, so. you just gotta be there or be whatever the square. opposite of square is. Square! But you're not square if you're not with SpongeBob. Okay, well, so it's absurdist, which is it's, what great comedy, I think, uh, leans on. Yeah. Uh, and certainly what great animated comedy and leans on. And it's not as non sequitur as some of its predecessors. You know, Ren and Stimpy is really just yeah. insanity. And I, like, I really don't go back and enjoy watching Ren and Stimpy. I like what it did for the genre, and I understand its place in history. Yeah, and SpongeBob I, doesn't exist without it. SpongeBob does not exist without Ren and Stimpy, and my sister loved Ren and Stimpy and brought me along with that. But you know what? People are still watching SpongeBob <laughs> and in a way that they're not still watching Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, because they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And SpongeBob actually is a lot less ad hoc, a lot less, you know, non sequitur, random. 
Yeah. I felt like Ren and Stimpy were trying to break down certain conventions. And deconstructionist. They were they were more deconstructionist, and it's hard to enjoy that twenty years after the work was done. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like they're on a mission. It's they a, succeeded at their mission, but that mission is now over. Yeah. Right. So that's why we get SpongeBob, but there's a warmth to SpongeBob that carries it forward. Yeah, and SpongeBob, to be fair, is never confrontational. He's a good person. He's a good person. <laughs> he's he's a very it's weird that there were so some parents who were just so panicked about this because SpongeBob's a really very conformist, conservative role model. He really values his friends. He works like the Dickens for yeah, an employer he, who he, doesn't care about him at all. He works like crazy. <laughs> he works like crazy. He comes to his job on his day off. Yeah. You know, he he's well-dressed in his little square <laughs> pants. Like he's a very, tie. He he's wears a, very, a tie. He's a very traditional, he's almost kind of a riff on, you know, the 1950s working man. You know, he's, yeah. he's you know, it, <laughs> spun, now I'm picturing Spongebob in Mad Men. Well, actually, there's a step in between Mad Men and Spongebob, and that is Pee-wee's Playhouse. If you think about Pee-wee, yeah. who had that same kind of innocence yeah. in a bizarre world, and Pee-wee is dressed, you know, in a suit and tie, and is just trying to be, you know, the the good guy, the good friend. The it, Pee-wee actually contributes a whole lot to SpongeBob. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the morals of SpongeBob are very much informed by things like Pee-wee's Playhouse, yeah. um, because SpongeBob has a very clever way of highlighting that you know, well, maybe not all your dreams will come true. You know, like maybe not everything is perfect. You know, maybe sometimes things do just suck, but what we can always do is laugh about it. Yep, and you can still have your friends and you can still have a good day. Yeah, and you know, uh, Patrick works really, really, really hard at imitating Spongebob because he wants to win an award in one episode. Mm -hmm. And instead of settling on the moral that I think a lot of other shows would, which is, you know, don't just try and emulate somebody else, Mm -hmm. They settle on, well, he's not really even good at that. What he's good at is basically nothing. <laughs> so I used to ask young people when I would this go This was in, your icebreaker. This was this how was you... This was one of my icebreakers when I would go talk to the school kids uh, as a cartoonist, an author. I would say, okay, who's the dumbest character on cartoons now? Ed. In Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Homer. I like paste. Or... Patrick. Oh, I thought you put Cosmo in there. Oh, Cosmo was sometimes yeah, in, there. in there. That's right. Cosmo's in there. Welcome it's... to CosmoCon, located in scenic Timmy's bathroom. <laughs> I'll get the monkey. <laughs> and I think usually Patrick won when I would throw that out. He to... has no brain. <laughs> You're getting warmer, Patrick. Bye, birds. <laughs> he is so dumb. He's he he goes and it's not like a it's not a veneer or it doesn't hide like a heart of gold. Patrick's entire character is his lack of intelligence. Is he's, that fair? Is it is it is it okay that we have such a dumb character? He's defined by his his only defining trait is his laziness and his stupidity. <laughs> and that's it's not like Homer where Homer is lazy and stupid but really does care about his family. Yeah, so and he's just to, terrible at expressing it. Well, he's terrible at caring for them too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, being a provider and all that. Yeah, you know? no. So there's but, there's tension to Homer because he's like he's a father. He has responsibilities. There's stakes there. Patrick, thank God, is only responsible for Patrick, yeah. and he fails on every level. <laughs> he has he is not capable of doing even the simplest tasks. 
Can I borrow another quarter? <laughs> he can't even blow a bubble. He can't mop. He uses the wrong end of the mop. He has no brain. And it is incredible to watch because you've seen dumb characters on television shows. I mean, going back to the Andy Griffiths show. Oh, yeah. But Patrick is a whole new tier. He, he, there's no... there's he's Which, again, you can only do in animation. Science can't define how stupid he is. <laughs> you can get away with that in a cartoon character. Right? Yes. So, a real person could not play Sponge, uh, could not play Patrick Starr. Because that would be too uncomfortable for the viewers, right? Yes. All those dumb characters you've seen on so many uh, TV sitcoms, at some level they're still human. So you've got to treat them with some level of respect. Patrick is just a cartoon star. So and it's okay to it's... really laugh at his lack of... <laughs> You know, he sleeps under a rock, which, like, crushes him every night. Like, he's just not smart enough to figure out some kind of alternative living arrangement. But I think it speaks to SpongeBob's character that even though Patrick really is not worthy of respect, SpongeBob goes out of his way to continue to be his friend, to enjoy his company, and to include him in things. And so, again, it goes back to how surprisingly wholesome SpongeBob is. And contrast that with Squidward, who we haven't talked about at all yet, who, as I get older, like more and more. (laughs) Why is that? Uh, Well, this is a recorded document, which I use my real name for, so you can find it in a Google search. So we're not going to get into too many of the specifics, but (laughs) I have worked plenty of customer service jobs. Oh. (laughs) And I've interacted with a lot of people who I don't really care for. I don't really not really interested in helping them or <laughs> and squidward gives you delicious lines like who cares about the customer yeah like who, who... <laughs> squidward's out here asking the real questions <laughs> you know squidward at squidward's one... keeping it real squidward at one point uh yells at mr krabs because uh spongebob's bubble buddy has demanded so much of him yeah. And he just grabs Mr. Mr. Krabs by the collar. He's like, he made me give excellent service. <laughs> like, that's abhorrent to Squidward. And as I get older, it's starting to speak to me a little bit more. <laughs> well, so thank God. Are, they're still making new episodes of SpongeBob, aren't they? They are. And this is the unfortunate part of the podcast where we have to get into the, the fact that SpongeBob is not... Uh, they haven't let SpongeBob kind of age gracefully oh now the creative team behind the original seasons has started to trickle back in and apparently i haven't seen any of them but apparently some of the new episodes this is like season 12 stuff the season 12 13 stuff is actually much closer to the original stuff it's quite mm. funny people are very happy but there's like a desert of like seven seasons oh. where they don't know what makes spongebob works i've dipped my toe into that into the pool oh. and it sucks oh there's like a whole episode that is just like a Ren and Stimpy episode where Spongebob gets a splinter mm. and they keep zooming in on it. It keeps just getting grosser and grosser and grosser and they don't Ugh. have a punchline. It's just, Ugh. look at how weird and gross this is. Oh. And, huh. you know, I think the creative, the original creative team's kind of last gasp, their last big contribution to this was the original Spongebob Squarepants movie. The movie. I really like that. Yeah, I really like the, the first film. movie, uh, known as the David Hasselhoff movie. Yeah, yeah. Before he was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, thank you very much. And it's 
you know, they they really had fun with that. It's got Scarlett Johansson, which is really weird. Yeah, no, it's very high quality. Yeah. I like that one very And much. it's got Jeffrey Tambor as the King Neptune. Oh, we forgot to mention Jeffrey Tambor in our podcast about great character actors. Yeah, He's a true. defining but, person of that. Well, so, actually, so I didn't perceive that change in the quality, and I was very glad. But it's also because we grew up at the same time. We stopped watching Spongebob around the same time. Right, and I was glad to hear that it was still going on, because there was a time, <clears throat> you know, I had used Spongebob so much in my early career of being a professional cartoonist who talks to school kids. Like, I would draw Spongebob. He's my big finish. He was both my icebreaker at the beginning and the big finish. I would sing the song to students, and I would draw Spongebob. And it was a great connector because here I am, somebody who grew up drawing peanuts and turning that into my own career of drawing a crab before Mr. Krabs, by the way. And then, you know, it was a connector. I could see the whole arc of this artistic work. I'm a part of it. SpongeBob and his team is a part of it. And the kids love it. So it was beautiful. But I started to think, you know, is this getting too old? Like, I mean, these kids are aging up and out. approaching Simpsons territory. He's approaching Simpsons territory, but you know what? They kept making more, and I saw new generations, and as long as I still can go into schools and sing the song, and the kids sing it just with great enthusiasm, I mean, the the kids scream that song still. So he is absolutely a part of the canon of our culture. There's no doubt about that. I'm glad that they're still making episodes. I'm glad the original uh, creative team is coming back. Uh, my sense is SpongeBob is a very, very important piece of the last 20 years. Yeah, and I think he will continue to be so. I, I hope they can continue to. I also heard good things about their, their sequel, that the sequel movie they made where he had like superpowers and stuff. I haven't watched it. Apparently maybe. they put some, some juice behind that, and that, that mm. was apparently, wasn't quite the fastball that the original was, but you know they know when they have to, to step it up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that Nickelodeon is still investing in that kind of animation, that kind of humor. We've seen as as budgets get tighter and animation becomes more expensive, everything goes either 3D or, in the worst case, you know, there was a period where Cartoon Network was showing live action shows. Yeah, I know. To fill out its schedule. And that's I know. horrific. To me. Well, and you just look at what has happened to so many other uh, special cable channels, you know. Yeah. I mean, the History Channel doesn't show history anymore. Everybody's no. just making their own live action, you know, reality Game of shows. Thrones thing. Right, because it's cheap. Yeah. So, I'm glad that Spongebob still exists. Uh, Actually, I wanted to say this about its format. You know, I was given the Bugs Bunny cartoons in groupings on Saturday mornings. But, you know, they were originally created for the movie theaters as just intros, previews, just something to to watch before the main movie, right, Mm -hmm. on a Saturday matinee. So, those Bugs Bunny cartoons are like six minutes long. That's it. Um, And then you get into the standardization of the Saturday morning cartoons, and you have all these 30-minute shows, right? That's, uh, Fat Albert is 30 minutes. Uh, The Tarzan show is 30 minutes. All of this stuff sort of settles into what TV wants. Okay, that's good. But you know what? It's really hard to write animated comedy for 30 minutes. And I love that SpongeBob, their 30-minute episode, quote-unquote, is actually two stories. They found a way and insisted there there must have been a fight over this at some point where they were just like no we're going to tell two stories in 30 minutes they're unrelated so we're going to get back to what is probably a more honest storytelling for animated humor which is you know about eight to ten minutes yeah uh and we can't continue this conversation without 
highlighting the incredible voice talents that okay. have made SpongeBob possible after the animation is done. Uh, cool. Tom Kenny is the voice of SpongeBob, storied voice actor, is in all kinds of things. He is in uh, big budget films as voice actors for CGI characters. Oh. He's done cartoons for, for many, 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 many years. Uh, Tom Kenny is an iconic voice, and uh, SpongeBob would not be the character that he is even with the writing and the creative staff and the animation without Tom Kenny. Uh, Bill Fagerbach? I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but that's Patrick Starr. And no offense, Bill, but I can see why they cast you. (laughs) Clancy Brown, of course, holding it down as Mr. Krabs. Uh, Roger Bumpus as uh, Squidward Tentacles. Let's see. And Dee Bradley Baker is in there. Yeah, lots of storied voice actors. You know, they went... They went to went to the the well of people. Well, who so they at could this point, that on. costs a lot of money. I yeah. mean, Clancy Brown has got to be making pretty good coin for this, and of course, Clancy got... Brown's not cheap. <laughs> uh, Douglas Lawrence uh, Owalski, uh, credited as Mister Lawrence in credits, uh, huh. is the voice of Plankton. Oh, I love Plankton. <laughs> we got to talk about Plankton before we end this podcast. He's so important to what makes this show work. <laughs> Well, it's I great. went to college. It's great that the nemesis is a little tiny guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's not Doctor Doom. He's a little tiny plankton. Yeah, no. <laughs> Who has his own problematic relationship with his like digital assistant? Yeah, well, his computer wife, Karen. <laughs> That's enough out of you, Karen. <laughs> He's such a tragic figure. I love plankton. Oh man. Well, like, all he's got is this, like, college degree. That's all he's got to fall back on. And he keeps, like, mentioning it as if it somehow makes him, like, <laughs> different or special. It's like... In Bikini Bottom. In Bikini yeah. Bottom. It, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Now, SpongeBob, you've got to really let him have it. Be assertive. You can have it. <laughs> Plankton is fantastic. Plankton is great. Uh, here's, here's another interesting thing, uh, speaking about the art form. So... Chuck Jones, the the godfather of all of this, who gets uh, all the credit for the Bugs Bunny brilliance, he doesn't deserve all the credit, but he gets all the credit. He's the guy who's entered the canon. I think people like Ted McKimson should be better remembered, but that's a different podcast. But Chuck was uh, really upset as things moved to television and the cheaper animation was talking head stuff. And he was like, you know, this isn't, these are not really actually cartoons because in his world, a cartoon is a story that could be told without words. Without words at any point, right? So he made all these Roadrunner cartoons where you turn the sound down and you still get the story, right? So what I like about SpongeBob is that it is visual and it is well-written and the voice actors are very important. Where the hell was I going with this? Do you think it can work without sound? I, I, I don't think so and I don't think that works against it. I don't think I think it's fine that SpongeBob relies on having dialogue and exchanges to explain what's happening on the screen because they actually aren't explaining what's happening on the screen it's adding to what's happening on the screen. Take for example the visual gag of SpongeBob remember that that time where uh that episode where Squidward thinks that SpongeBob has eaten a, a bomb and so yeah. he's going to spend the whole rest of the day with SpongeBob that's only really funny if you can kind of get that tension and and Squidward's voice, and seeing all these things that Squidward is doing, even though he doesn't really want to, just because he thinks it's SpongeBob's last day. 
Mm-hmm. It's just not... I, I admire Chuck for his philosophy, and I think that it has a lot of merit to it, but it's an audiovisual medium. You're allowed to have Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Chuck does go too far, and I, I, I am glad that you keep uh, putting... Uh, shout outs to the voice actors in our different podcasts because yes. it is important well because I was also raised on them I mean these these voice actors help define the sound of my childhood yeah you know Tom well, Kenny crops up in other cartoons <laughs> all the time and when we make jokes you know when we like to repeat lines uh, it's because of the work of the voice actors and I think where I was going with this is uh, the test of this was early on in the mp3 ripping revolution I found a whole bunch of files from Spongebob Right, I was, I was nothing like driving through jellyfish fields with the top down, eh, jelly spotters? Beep beep, top down, top down, beep beep, top down, beep 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 beep. beep. The Kevin episode of the fanboys is incredible, and it actually is more relevant than ever. It's more prescient than than so many other things. People are like, oh, go back and watch Battlestar Galactica. They will tell you about modern culture. No, go back and watch the episode with Kevin and the Jelly Spotters, and that will tell you about our culture of hero worship and hero yeah. disposal. Why don't you punch yourself in the face? Doing. Doesn't that hurt? Do you want it to hurt me, Kevin? <laughs> that's really, that's really real stuff there. That's yeah. It's all about emotional truth, and SpongeBob's telling yeah. us some great emotional truth. Yeah, and so I still have those files on my iPod yeah. because just the voice acting alone. I mean, I. I've talked on this podcast about how important the visuals are that Spongebob Yeah, I think with Spongebob, it's the inverse. Well, it's both. I think it's both, actually. And and the fact that... Firmly grasp it in your hand. (laughs) Firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it! (laughs) (laughs) Just puts the the fishing net straight into Squidward's hand. I love it. I love it. There's a lot of stuff that's funny from Spongebob if you only hear the audio track. Yeah, and people also talk about shrek in animation having you can see all the hairs on donkey to include humor that isn't necessarily explicitly adult but to have include jokes that only adults will get oh yeah there's some of that in spongebob i was picking up on when we were watching stuff i mean squidward is talking about the drudgery of a nine to five yeah that no eight-year-old is going to understand yeah as an eight-year-old i thought squidward was just sticking him up like he just sucked yeah squidward was just a loser just shut up squidward everyone else is having fun around you and now I've worked a nine to five. I've worked in a very similar position to what Squidward has done when I worked at Starbucks. I can talk about that. I mean, I worked at Starbucks. I'm not worried about getting rehired by Starbucks. Like, you don't want to interact with those people. Those people suck. I want to go home and play my clarinet. Like, what are you talking about? It makes sense that when Squidward gets home, he really does not want to interact with people anymore. Like, I, I think, I love the episode where Squidward goes to live in like a gated community. Yeah. Because he's surrounded by other people like himself, and he realizes, like, oh man, the only thing worse than being surrounded by people like SpongeBob are being surrounded by people like me. <laughs> and that's real. That's super wow. real. Wow. He doesn't get to be the smartest person in the room anymore, right. and he can't. Or, def- or define himself against the people that and he, he feels can't superior. function. Yeah. That's yeah. really deep. I'll tell you the other one that we watched yesterday that got a little too uncomfortable for me was when Squidward is the art teacher. Oh, my God. Right? And he's so happy when he opens the door to the rec center, and there are all these people waiting to get in, and he's like, oh, great, all these people who want to see my art. And they're like, oh, we thought this was the cooking class. That's and they really real. Yeah. Oh, that was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and just him holding up a book that just says the rules of art. <laughs> 
Like, you can feel the animation staff cackling to themselves. Like, I think that's what's great, is you can feel their love and their joy for what they're doing yeah. in every episode. Yeah. I don't get the sense that they phoned any of these in. No. That they didn't care about any of these plots. I feel like their episodes are stronger than others just because of the virtue of their writing. Like, the episode where they're trapped in the dome with... Um, uh, Sandy and she's like kind of feral because it's it's like her, when she's supposed to be hibernating and they've woken her up to oh, bother her. Oh. That's fine. It's not a great episode. It's not a terrible episode. Hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But SpongeBob doesn't do really well with those because that episode really wants you to like fear for SpongeBob to make the humor work because hmm. Sandy's like this really scary like. Yeah, like I don't think I've seen thing. that one. And it's just it doesn't quite come across because it's like. Eh, the most peril I want to see these boys in are getting shocked by jellyfish. Like, I love that. <laughs> oh, we haven't even talked about the episode where SpongeBob brings home a jellyfish to hang out with. There's, like, this running arc throughout the show. There's a little <laughs> bit of continuity where SpongeBob keeps making weird friends. Well, there's also the continuity of him never getting his driver's license. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love that, you know, he's got Bubble Buddy, and then at one point he makes the ill-advised decision to have Prank- Plankton be his friend. <laughs> and then there's uh, the culmination of this bad idea, which is the jellyfish, yeah. which he brings home and just starts playing these incredible Euro techno beats. And they're <laughs> dancing to it at like three. <laughs> and Squidward's line, which we have quoted endlessly. And what we've done is just we replace SpongeBob's name with like a friend who's annoying us. It's like, can't believe SpongeBob can have fun with a jellyfish. For 12 hours! <laughs> like, yeah. what's great about these characters, and this is the note I will end on because we're running out of time here. What's beautiful about these characters is that you can always see elements of yourself yes. in each one of them. Well, that's great art. That's great art. That's not just great comedy, that's great art. There are days when we are plankton, where we feel that we deserve more, where the universe owes us more. Yeah. We, there are days where we are Mr. Krabs, where we just, we want and we want and we want and we take and we take and we take. And somehow our friends still tolerate us, which is great. <laughs> and there are other days where, uh, you know, we're like Squidward. We just want to complain. There are days where we're as dumb as Patrick. I certainly feel like I'm Patrick a lot of days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to have to talk about that off the podcast. Okay. Um, but the... I think the goal, the ideal should be to be as respectful and caring and as generous as Spongebob is. I want to be like Spongebob! (laughs) And then we turn into Patrick and that episode where he's just imitating Spongebob. (laughs) So what's a good Patrick line that we can end on, I guess? My name's not Rick! (laughs) That's a good one. I love that one. Um, God, what else? Uh... We already did Sponge, can we borrow another quarter? Um, <laughs> oh, we have to end with the very first episode. We're first introduced with Patrick, yeah. and SpongeBob is doing all these uh, tricks with bubbles that are basically balloon yeah. tricks, and he yeah. blows uh, a, a bubble into the shape of an elephant, and it floats off into the sky, and it's amazing that he's made this, and Patrick just goes, oh, 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 It's a giraffe! <laughs> Patrick. That's his level. That's where he's at, man. Alright. I'm Samuel. And I'm Patrick. And this has been the Review Podcast. Podcast.